whether it's taking care of family. Ugh, Mikey, stop harassing your sister. Climbing the corporate ladder. Yes, yes, yes. We need to create a new spreadsheet for the project. I know, I know. Or even taking care of loved ones. I'm here for you, Mom. You have to put you first. It's the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. Hey, you all. It's Amanda Smith, your host, cheerleader, your companion along this journey of self-discovery and self-care. It has been such an amazing ride this first season. So many epiphanies shared in this space. Yeah, I'm here to lift you up, but if you can recall earlier on in my first episode, I'm on my self-discovery journey process as well. Uh, It's something that is pretty much never ending for me. Um, So I'm going to need you to have my back too as I move along my righteous path. I discover new things about myself every day and um, as you should too. Uh, So yeah, I'm just loving this space that I'm in that I've cultivated with this podcast, even though I'm only 12 episodes in. All good. We're here. We're talking about empathy on this podcast. It seems to be the new buzzword uh, since the pandemic hit, and I'm starting to see many variations of the definition of this word. We've marketed empathy so much now that it's a staple in our promotional advertisements for education events and virtual conferences and workshops and within the workplace and how to behave. Uh, It's been adopted as like new business speak, hands down for sure. This is the new one. Um, But I don't want us to get desensitized with seeing it everywhere. Uh, There's a reason we are hearing about it, and there's a significant amount of work, an amount of hard work that comes with showing empathy and being an empathetic person. It can get very complex very quickly because it requires you to step out of your comfort zone into someone else's reality, which could be the polar opposite from yours, and finding that happy medium. If you manage people This is exactly the kind of behavior I'm talking about. You could have a team with a bunch of different personalities on there, a bunch of different behaviors, and a bunch of just, let's be honest, baggage that they might be subconsciously or consciously bringing to the workplace. But you as a leader, as a manager, has to decipher all of that and at the end of the day, perform. You need to find a happy medium to communicate, to work within a team, and really to coexist. So let's unpack empathy. The Spotlight. I am so excited to share with you this week's Spotlight, which is the Plastic Couch Podcast, hosted by transformational coach, trainer, healer, and speaker, Kristen Crockett. So let's just get into this podcast and Kristen and all of her awesomeness, okay, that she is bringing on this platform. Kristen is one of my absolute faves. She is raw. She is talented. She is a game changer, um, transformational coach. There's no no surprise why that is even in her title. Um, She's in my talent development tribe and media tribe as I worked with her within both spaces. Uh, We met at a business lunch many, many moons ago. Um, It's been almost 10 years, which is crazy, that I was overseeing career development programming at the National Association of Broadcasters. And we immediately hit it off right away. We stayed in touch over the years and just have been supporting each other with our crazy ideas. 
Um, her knack for emotional intelligence is on a whole other level and her ability to connect and be a listener and really understand others is just a natural gift of hers. So it's no surprise she's doing the work of empowerment. She's super authentic and her new podcast, The Plastic Couch, is her insightful take on leadership, relationship, loss and change. She's dealing with the personal. She's dealing with the workplace uh, and all of the blendedness that um, we're having to deal with now and even before. I just know you're going to love it. So the Plastic Couch podcast. Shout out to you, Kristen. Keep up the amazing work. You are super intelligent and so glad to have you on my team. So to those listening, go check it out. Exclusive guest interviews. I have a special treat for you this week, and I can hardly contain myself because my next guest has done some amazing, just simply amazing, creative, innovative, thoughtful, and inclusive work within the talent development industry. He is a leader and a trendsetter, and his name is Elliot Maisie. I had the privilege of catching up with the learning curator and talent development guru as he revealed why empathy is the new it factor. It is the thing that we are all needing right now. And we will also hear some exclusive insight into his latest project, The Empathy Concert, a fascinating blend of art through music to educate, inform, and motivate. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. And it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, you know, the, the word emotional intelligence for a while, we thought of it as, well, that's like a psychology model. That's a, you know, that's what we need when we're dealing in the unique situation. But we've all had the experience of now almost a year of a very different world. And uh, what emerged out of that is that in the learning field, while we're committed to skills and curriculum development and all that stuff, uh, and I'm known for the guy to maybe help start that e-learning was about, you know, about electronics and learning. Well, for me, it's about empathy. Yes. I believe that uh, the, all the skill training in the world doesn't mean a darn if we aren't keyed into the empathetic connection to the learner and ultimately the learner's empathetic connection to their workplace, to their community, to their family, to their lives. So this is an exciting conversation that we're having today. Yes. And I'm excited as well. And you touched on a key word for me, which certainly resonates, and that is empathy. We have thrown that word around a lot <laughs> in talent development. But we really need to actually do that. Like we need to do that now, you know, and it's very critical to sustaining and thriving in the work that we do. So I would love to hear from you, Elliot, as a seasoned professional in this business. Uh, you've probably seen the good, the bad, the ugly. What really is the motivation behind the work that you do? Well, it, it is all my life. It's been the interesting connection of the wonder of learning, the wonder of helping that light bulb go on and help a human being get a new skill, uh, keep their job, get a better job, uh, or prepare for some degree of professional, personal competence. Um, the word empathy that we're talking about, to me, weaves through that. Because at the end of the day, I believe that learning can only happen when we tap into both the curiosity of the employee or, or whoever the learner is, and we are uh, honoring what it is they are really about. Like for me, yes. empathy uh, is not sympathy. 
It's not counseling. It's not psychology. And I'm not going to ask them to lie on a couch and tell me about how their parents just didn't give them enough money for the science fair. Uh, what empathy to me is, is a recognition that uh, the human being that I'm interacting with, whether it's live or whether it's in a, uh, a TED talk that is viewed by a million people, that individual is unique. And that individual has a complexity of realities around them right. to be able to uh, take the learning content, bring it in, accept it, maybe challenge it, maybe challenge themselves, and then finally implement it in their lives. Uh, so empathy to me is at the heart of what I do. Learning is, I think, the uh, that's my my trade, my craft, my art, my passion. and. I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I always have been a geek and a nerd. But to me, it's not to geek out on the tech, but it's to wonder what the tech can do in a human situation. I mean, think about it. We've got billions of people connecting with relatives, friends, colleagues uh, by Zoom, by Microsoft Teams, by WebEx, by, by text messaging in the pandemic. It's not the tech that's important. What's important are those connections. So that's who that's who I am. Uh, I, I love that. And I love that you defined empathy and sympathy because you do. You kind of get this envision in your mind that, OK, here it is again. Let me get that violin out. We're getting ready to go. empathy. But it's beyond that. It's not just, yeah, understanding how another person feels, but it's sharing in that experience as well. So I, I love how you just spelled that out. So I had a chance to peek and look at what you're doing with Empathy Concert, uh, which you have been doing for quite some time now. There's a series out and would love to hear some of your you know motivation behind that work. And, and why did you use music, which I think is amazing, by the way. For probably about the last dozen years, I have had a second parallel career in addition to learning my other career has been Broadway production. No uh, way. I, I am a producer <laughs> you... of Broadway shows, 29 shows, what? including Kinky Boots, The Prom, which is now a movie on Netflix, uh, Anastasia, uh, and a whole range of, of shows. And um, while it looks like a separate world, it's really not. Because if you think about what theater is, it's storytelling. And it's connection to the audience and it's leaving them with an impact, like a, a wow. They walk yes. out of kinky boots and they go, wow. Or <laughs> they, they, they see a, you know, a play and they go, wow, wow. Um, so for me, uh, when the pandemic hit, I reached out to one of my, I actually call him a brother from another mother, <laughs> Telly Leong. Many of you have seen him. He's yes. been on Glee. He was yes. Aladdin on Broadway. Of course. And, and he and I went to the same high school, decades apart. He's a little <laughs> bit younger than me. And we decided to do empathy concerts. And in a, in a nutshell, we decided this was literally the beginning of the pandemic when we thought it might be weeks in March. We decided, let's do this. Let's invite two or three, you ready? Unemployed, <laughs> unemployed, famous Broadway singers, you know, and we have we have done that. Um, and let's invite them to come from their homes by Zoom, you know, uh, whether they have a good mic or not. And then let's make our songs a little bit about empathy. And then let's have conversations with them. 
And with chief learning officers or authors in our field, we've had Marshall Goldsmith. We've had my friend Pame, who's CLO of, of Kraft Heinz. We've brought in just the, a range of learning leaders. And then we've had people from Broadway. We've had four alphabas from uh, Wicket. And, uh, and along the way, we've, we've tilted what we did, you know, the middle of the summer. You couldn't talk about empathy without dealing with people who are in the streets, reacting to the murders that were happening in parts of the country and talking about racial injustice. Uh, And, you know, as the election went on, there was all sorts of stress about how that is going to be and and what happens afterwards. And so while we've been nonpartisan and and nonpolitical in a way, we've dealt with the reality. And every week it's live. Yeah. You know, and um, all sorts of wonderful and then sometimes, oops, things happen. But we've (laughs) now done a total of 28 empathy concerts that have been seen or watched live or streamed. They're all on my website, Macy.com. I was about to say, I just had a chance to look at some before this uh, interview here. Tens of thousands of people around the world have seen them. And then the thing I'm really proud of, we've then given some gifts to these artists, unemployed artists, many of them, some of them Tony Award winning artists. And then we've also then in their name made uh, donations to the Actors Fund that's taking care of unemployed actors. And altogether, I think we've now done over $31,000 of donations that we've given them as the as the producers of this. And it's free. And uh, it's been my way of staying sane bluntly in the middle of of the pandemic. And uh, it's wonderful. We've stretched some. We've stretched some boundaries. That wow, you can bring a live Broadway artist into a webinar rather than a slightly boring PowerPoint. You know, I love it, and I love the way you are fusing music with learning and empathy. You're right. Music has this wonderful impact, and it leaves an impact on us. And so, what better way to be able to showcase learning and and empathy and what we're dealing with, like as you pointed out uh, in the world today, through music. As you noted, they are all on Elliot's website and they are all fantastic. I mean, it's it's a serious treat what you have provided here, Elliot. You know, this is a, a very unique packaging of, like you said, of, of an average boring PowerPoint or some of these webinars that we've been sitting on uh, from time after time. Uh, and Amanda, so, and yeah. we we've brought in like some some interest that we've had one of my un, like a sister from another mother, Melinda Doolittle <laughs> from American Idol, but then she brought in a six year old girl, six years old, who wrote a song. Amazing. Okay, called "Stuck at Home." Stuck at home. <laughs> I'm stuck at home. And this girl wrote it and laid it out. And then we had Melinda Doolittle. The American Idol star sing it, and we had we had our 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 artist girl on live. And uh, what we've tried to do is by using music is to include diversity, to yes. include inclusion, to go to different generations. Um, and I actually think we've got to more and more as learning people bring empathy along with content and assessment and all the things we do in learning. Absolutely. Got to bring empathy as it it just should weave through who we are and what we do in in the world of learning. You know, we've always known that donuts help, you know. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The donuts are good. Don't give up donuts when we get to be face to face. But make sure you bring the donuts with a really good pile of empathy as well. I love that. That is the make or breaker. And a lot of these interpersonal relationships that we have in the workplace and in our personal settings. So, you know, you're preaching to the choir over here, Elliot. 
So one of the things that we like to do on the Know You First podcast is talk about these selfish moments. You know, when when the when the world turned for us, uh, if you will, last year, um, we all had to kind of figure things out and focus um, inward, if you will. We had to figure out, okay, <laughs> things are not the same anymore, but I know in order for me to figure this out, I'm going to, one, hone in on, on myself and figure out how I'm going to be strong and healthy for my family and, and for my work. And so I would love if you can share whether personal career, a selfish moment that you can bring to this platform on a time and moment where you just had to say, okay, Elliot. I'll give you two. Uh, one is pretty at much at the start of my career, a young man of about age 23, 24. Uh, I was working for the New York State Education Department in a job that I thought I was doing a wonderful job in. And one day my boss called me in and said, Elliot, I love your work. You're very creative, but you absolutely stink as an employee. Uh, you should Ouch. not be an employee. <laughs> You should be, you should run your own show. So uh, I'm firing you with every intention that you go out and start your own business. Uh, what a gift. Exactly. <laughs> what a great gift. gift. Sometimes being so, fired is a gift. <laughs> so after eating a lot of Chinese food and looking in the mirror and wondering if uh, there was something defective with me, I said, no, I got feedback in the best sense of a word about not only what I was good at, but what I wasn't good at. And I, I followed that through. To be in more current time, um, the pandemic was that. And I think it's been for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I had to make a decision. And it was an interesting decision. It was about March 13, when it was really starting to brew. And I looked around. I looked at my staff. I looked at our business. And I was maybe I was a little bit more future thinking than others. I said, this is not going to be short. This mm -hmm. is going to be a while. And literally told my staff, go ahead. You're going to work from home. <laughs> Take yeah. the best chair that we have. Get ready. But I did a second thing that was really interesting. Uh, I decided to stop accepting any dollars from organizations mm. into our company. We've been very successful over the years with conferences and the like. And I said, you know, I want to become purpose-driven right now rather than profitability driven. And, and there's nothing wrong with being profitable. In fact, I could be purpose driven because I had been profitable yes. before, but we decided to switch our gears and really become very much purpose and mission driven. We actually became a, what's called a, uh, a B style uh, corporation, mm -hmm. which sure. is a, a mission style. And it allowed us to focus on both the pandemic, to focus on uh, coaching, a whole range of folks. And then with a, a colleague you probably have heard of, my friend Marshall Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marshall and I decided to be get together almost every morning with people from around the world who are CEOs and authors and just talk to each other, just yeah. hear what was going on. So uh, those were those were inflective moments to take a decision when you shut something off. Yeah. And when you turn it back on. Um and I, I was changed by both of those moments. And I'm the young age of 70. So I'm halfway <laughs> through my career, Amanda. You know, I, I got these I love wonderful, that halfway. <laughs> I, I am. I, I mean, so I've only been in learning 50 years now, but I have these wonderful things that I want to do that are different, that are yeah. different. I, I run a I what's you. called the learning collaborative. I don't want a lot of members. I want 100 members because That's you want right. to. I can't collaborate over a hundred. So yes. uh, I'm I'm learning to say yes and no 
to the things that are are very purpose driven for me. Well, I really like that. And I like your selfish moment because one of the things I've always said is, you know, if you are putting mission behind the work, profitability is going to come anyways. And so you definitely want to be purposeful in these things that you do. And I know a lot of organizations like you took that stance, um, being able to just do the work and help people out and support them however they need it. And I know I did that a little bit in my business for the first six months for the pandemic first hit, I just did free coaching. And then a lot of the people I were coaching were unemployed anyway. So it's like, you know, they, they couldn't pay me if they wanted to. Um, but you're right. That mission driven work will reap that those benefits later on. So I, I love that you did Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yep. We'll have more with our guest on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. And we are back on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. Now that we are in this moment with no real way of this is going to end at this time, the balance of career and personal care and family has become extremely challenging for a lot of people. And a lot of managers and supervisors trying to manage their teams of people who are also dealing with these. You know, we're counselors now on these calls. We're teachers now on these meetings. We're, we are so many things outside of just our, our the work that we do for our employers. We'd love to hear what you're doing to balance it all. Well, I, first of all, I, I want to start with the concept that the pandemic ripped off the Band-Aid sure to did. expose oh, yeah. who, what we are who and what we have as either support or non-support, um, and, and the issues of diversity and inclusion and authenticity are enormously powerful. Uh, we had to do something we've rarely had to do, uh, and this is professional and personal, yeah. is to see leaders, a friend of mine, Gary Ridge, the CEO of WD-40 company, said, you know, for the first time I had to say as a CEO, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. I have a hunch. Yeah. I have a plan. But right. so so we've had to balance that sort of uh, steadiness and empathy and, and leadership and power with ambiguity and uncertainty. Yeah. Um, I think one of the interesting ways in which we've had to deal as well is to um, realize that more has changed than just where we work. Right. Um, and I think that there we will come through this. I don't think we'll go to the end of it, but whatever next chapters are, Amanda, I That's think right. we'll come through with it. And we're going to be different. Yes. I think we're going to hire people. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think we're going to hire people and yeah. we're going to say, oh, wow, you graduated right in the middle of the pandemic or, yeah. you know, or, or your job ended like that. I mean, yeah. I know I've tracked, I know companies which altogether have terminated or furloughed and then terminated probably about a half a million people like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and and how do you go into that interview and say, I was a pilot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then boom, I was gone. Or, or, you know, I was a janitor and boom, yeah. I'm gone. Or um, I didn't graduate at all. I didn't but... graduate at all. Yeah. <laughs> I also think in this process, we've had to, to a greater extent, not always wonderfully, expose um, the complexity of our lives. I have a little sheet that I keep over here that literally has the names of the dogs and children 
of colleagues I've seen on Zoom. Oh, wow. Because, you know, you want to say, what's your kid's name? And and next time they want to, rem- I got to remember that was Roger or Sharon or, awesome. or, or Pat, you know, or, or that their dog's name was Fido, you know. Uh, but the piece that's harder is when we've been in an environment where we've had to show our space. Right. So, you know, I've got a beautiful home. I've, I've had a wonderful, blessed life. But I know I have colleagues that I'm talking to who are living in, you know, one one room apartments with sure. a whole family. Sure. I have two colleagues who are in the learning and development space who live in homeless shelters right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to turn on their Zoom in that. So we've had to figure out how do we have transparency that honors privacy and 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 the like. Um, so it's been a, uh, I think that's been one of the really interesting challenges, opportunities, and, yeah. and differences of now. I love that um, you say ripped the Band-Aid and exposed us because um, we have been accustomed for so long to um, not talk about our problems in the workplace. You know, mm-hmm. um, who has time to hear about, you know, your, your ailing mother or your ailing relative uh, when we got to get a contract out the door, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm so glad that we're now addressing those real issues because it's not part of us that actually shows up to work. It's yeah. our whole self with all of our problems showing up to work, mm-hmm. trying to do the work that we do to the best of our ability. So I also am a quote person. I love quotes. I write quotes. I dabble in short stories every now and again. And so I would like to hear from you either a quote or some words of affirmation. And I ask this of all my guests because I think it's really interesting to find where we find our motivations from. And, you know, someone like you who is 70 years young, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you said, Elliot, I want to know what motivates you every day. What motivates you, Mr. Elliot Maisie, every day? all the wonderful things you've done so far, what's motivating you to get out of bed to keep going? And if you have some words that you reflect on, I'd love to hear it. I have four things I do every day. Number one, I learn something. You can't be in the learning and development field. You can't be a leader in any field unless you are a learner. So I literally every day have something I'm learning. It may be a new technical skill. It may be to read a story from somewhere. It may be to have a conversation with somebody just talking to you, Amanda, I'm learning things. So number one, I want to be a learner. Number two, I want to hold myself accountable for what my mission is that day and in life. And by the way, I'm a numbers guy. So I want to know I've got my idea of where I'm going today. And so I want to reach a a certain set of people. I want to achieve a certain thing. I want to, in fact, stop doing some things. And I keep a numerical spreadsheet every day of how I'm doing. Number three, and this is a a, a really a tough one for some folks. Uh, I was enormously impressed. I had as a keynote, he's from my theater world, Leslie Odom Jr., star of sure. Hamilton and now and I was at Miami. that conference, by okay, the way. Okay, <laughs> so you know, you heard Leslie. I and have, Leslie has a book was, yes, about failure. Yes. And I actually think this is the most interesting thing. I want to play with or deal with failure every day. Mm. Because if I'm not doing something I could fail at, I'm probably taking the easy day. And mm. we need easy days, but I want to embrace and surround better safe failure than really nasty failure, but failure. 
And then the fourth one is a new thing that happened to me in the pandemic, which is I want to literally uh, every day reach for my phone and find one person I haven't spoken to in a year. <laughs> and I call him out of the awesome. blue, That's out of awesome. the blue. I called somebody and I didn't even know who he was. It turned out he was a waiter at a Japanese restaurant near my apartment in New York City. And he had given me his number. He was trying to get tickets <laughs> to a Broadway show. Well, we had this amazing conversation about how his life has just imploded since the pandemic. And I, I couldn't solve it. But every day I reach out to somebody I haven't heard from in a while. That is great. And you don't need permission. So, so that's very contemporary. Yes. No. I and I think those are great. And yeah, you're right. Some of those are very easier than others. Who likes to look in the mirror and, you know, look at their failures or things that they need to improve on? You know, we could certainly just more or less, you know, kick our head, kick our uh, feet up and, you know, coast through um, on the things that we do very well. So I love that number three, <laughs> yeah. personally. Um, well, Elliot, I would love to keep you here all day, but I know I am between you and your next uh, concert empathy series that's coming up later on this afternoon. Um, yeah. So I appreciate it. Do you, any parting words before yeah, we end I, here? As you said, I think we have to always go forward and back. I think we have to learn from history and literally go back to look at who, you know, who were our presidents in the past. And then, you know, your name is an interesting one because I've had wonderful imagination of the next time I do a face-to-face -face conference, I want to have another Amanda who stood on the inauguration steps right. and showed us what a woman of today is about. That's okay. Right. She is, she is now, she is now. And so I ask you to always look, look back and look forward. And no matter how old you are, look to that younger generation as a group you're going to learn from. And you're going to support getting there and is they are today. So uh, but that's what I want to do. And have fun if you don't have fun. Oh, yes. Even in the worst of times, do something yes. that's fun. So exactly. Amanda, thank you. Namaste. Thank you for having me on on this show. And anybody can find me on Maisie.com. Everything we do is free. It's out there is as part of knowledge philanthropy. So. Absolutely. Well, yes, couldn't agree with you more. Elliot, thank you so much for your time. Namaste back to you too. And um, yes, as uh, Elliot said, you can find all his work in his concert on Maisie.com. Elliot, such a pleasure. The word. The word. My quote on the word this week is from author and decorated American chef who was featured on Netflix for her show, Salt, fat, acid, heat. <laughs> Love that. And also someone who I discovered while uh, listening to Brene Brown's Unlocking Us podcast, a podcast that I listen to all the time and highly recommend. But Samin was on there talking about grief and pain, and she shared this beautiful quote that I thought you'd enjoy. And it goes, it's a conscious choice for me to make something joyful and beautiful. I love this because it was a reminder to us that you have to put effort in your joy. You know, if it was effortless, we all be doing it. We all be walking around here like we're in Mayberry or something. Um, but we know that's not reality. And we also know that sugar honey iced tea happens. <laughs> so while controlling the things you can, eliminate those that don't serve you, period. And with that said, thank you for tuning in. Catch me next week right here 
on the Know You First podcast. Executive producer and host, Amanda Smith. Sound engineer is Rashad Smith. Music by Motion Array. Know You First podcast is published by Wave Sync Media.